Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12. There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Wow. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. And so right away, the word you is planted into the Christmas story. And it wasn't just for the shepherds. The you applies to all of us, to you, to me today. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you, born to you. Jesus was born to you. This day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Three times. Those two words, to you. First of all, to you. Good tidings of great joy. Don't be afraid. Born to you, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And a sign. This will be a sign to you. And so you and I are brought uh, into the Christmas story, the story of his birth. And so it's not like we're just looking back nostalgically into the distant past, but very present is the person of Jesus, the incarnate God, God who was spirit and lived eternally in the past, He has no beginning of days, no end of life. He is the eternal God. He became Emmanuel and born to you. So the most amazing, amazing concept of all is that he would even do that. But he did. And and, and knowing that, it, it draws us into himself and to the glory of God that the shepherds experienced that day. We move along and we see that he didn't just he wasn't just born for us but he died for us. Uh, Paul in describing the death and resurrection of of Jesus through the communion service. And next Sunday morning we're going to have our first communion of the new year and we're going to begin the the year with the Lord's Supper, celebrating his death and resurrection. And Paul said this, and this is a familiar scripture, um, I receive, for I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. There's that ex- those two words again. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. To you, he was born. Amazing. But more amazing than that, to you, for you, and for me, he died. And bread, one of the most common of all foods, represents his body. 
which is broken for us. And Jesus, of course, himself became a common man. He, he just, he owned no palace. He owned no property. Uh, he said of himself, the foxes have, have, have their holes, their burrows, the birds have their nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place that he can even call his own, not even a pillow or a bed. And so he was a, a nomad in a sense. He just traveled around Galilee and he ministered to lives of many. And Kendra, that was a wonderful. Do you know what? If you had lived in the time of Jesus, he would have come right to you personally, I think. And he would have done that for all of us. Uh, wow. His body broken. His blood shed. Uh, don't ever say his blood was spilled because it was no accident. It wasn't spilled. It was shed on purpose. And his life was in the blood. And so we are partakers of the divine nature. We are partakers of his life uh, through his death through his resurrection, and through his ascension. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's all so personal. It's to you, to me. And to really fully embrace that is life-changing. It's just totally transformative. Because then we don't really see the things around us and all of the conflict and all the troubles. and we, we, we have compassion for them like Jesus did. And our hearts are broken for uh, these precious children in, in Haiti that we're supporting. Uh, this morning on the news I heard that in Bosnia there are hundreds and hundreds of refugees that are in the midst of a snowstorm in a refugee camp, and they are cold and perishing. And when I heard, when I listened to that this morning, I just, I just felt, I don't know, I just, I can't explain to you just how, how I felt. And I wanted to make sure because it was one of those little captions along the bottom of the screen, and I waited for it to, to go by. It, you know, it, two or three times it said that Canada beat the Germans 16 to 2, and I knew that if I just waited long enough, it would come back, <laughs> and it did. And sure enough, it was Bosnia and hundreds of refugees in a camp. And I was, uh, I don't know how that grips you, but it grips me. We live in such a broken world, a world where there's so much suffering and so much pain. And God calls us to be his hands extended, to be his feet, to go where he now physically doesn't go. He goes to this broken world through his church, and his call is upon each of us. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, after Jesus had been raised from the dead, after he had uh, ascended into heaven and his disciples in obedience to what he had said to wait in this little upper room in Jerusalem, just, just wait there. Wait there until you receive the promise 
of the Father, which I've told you about. I've spoken to you about it at length, and it's recorded in the Scriptures, uh, particularly in the Gospel of John, some of the things that he said to them. And so the people heard all of this tongue-talking and the phenomenon of uh, the sound of a wind but no wind, uh, t- tongues of fire that were in t- that sat on each of these followers of Jesus and they were bewildered, confused. And the only explanation is they're drunk. But then uh, Peter got up and said, uh, <laughs> these folks, us folks, are not drunk as you surmise or as you suppose. It might look like we're drunk, but we're not. And he said, this, is, this was prophesied, this was foretold by the prophet Joel that in the last days, I would pour out my spirit upon peoples of all nationalities. There, would be, uh, there wouldn't be anyone excluded. Wow, we, we live in a world that is so uh, prejudicial, so... Uh, divided along racial lines and other kinds of lines. And Jesus, that's just not who he was. It wasn't about, it's not what he was about. It's not what the Holy Spirit is about. This shall be for all people. And he said, as he went on, and the people said, what do we do? Because they were conscious of the fact that It was the Jewish people, and these were all Jewish people that were standing there on this day of Pentecost, and it was the Jewish people that had nailed Jesus to the cross. And Peter said to them, repent. There is something you have to do. There is a step you must take. And uh, we saw that so beautifully described in that testimony this morning, how Kendra just kept looking to God until that, till that day when finally she just let go and, get, and let God take her life. And she started to serve him through the battles. It wasn't easy, I'm sure. The struggles are uh, follow us through our life, and we have to defeat the enemy every day of our life. And Peter said, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. That's what happened here this morning. It's not that baptism... Water baptism takes away our sins, but it is a symbol of faith. It's a confession of faith that Jesus is the one who remits our sins. He pays for it. Remission means to repay, or to pay, rather. And And then he said, repent, be baptized for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You, there we are, back into this whole story about Jesus, the whole thing that he did when he came here. So you, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Wow. Do you get the idea? It's for you. It's for you. It's about you. And you were brought in to 
a life that is absolutely different as a result. When we're born again, there is a change of nature, a change of heart, a change of life. And so we don't just live like other people do. There is a whole change of character. But it doesn't happen just automatically. It happens because we press in. We determine to follow Jesus. We become warriors in a battle against the arch enemy of Jesus, of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, the arch enemy who was once Lucifer, who's now the devil. And he fights with all his might to destroy the purposes and the blessings and the creation of God, especially his church. And so on this last Sunday of 2020 and looking into 2021, I have some scriptures that I want to bring to you. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So we're summoned now to a response, and that response is to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So there's a place for you to live, a place for you to find strength and might, not of, not of your own making, but supernatural divine power and authority and ability. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You can't just fight this battle on your own. You need the full armor of God. And he goes on to describe that later in, in the verses that follow this. I'm not going to read all those verses, but you can later. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against our own physical beings or other people. Our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, when he says uh, it's against powers, he's not talking about natural governmental powers. He's talking about spiritual powers and authority that is in the heavens above us, the power of the devil, He's the prince in the power of the air, the Bible says. And it's a spirit that works in the children of disobedience, the Bible says. So this is not, we're not just in a struggle of, of flesh and blood things, like how do I make enough money? How do I do, how do I keep myself healthy? Yes, those are all important, but that's not where the true battle lies. The battle lies in heavenly realms. Why is it that people are suffering in places like Bosnia today? Why is it that people are suffering in some of the inner, inner city slums of North America and around the world? Why, why do these things happen? It happens because there is a spiritual force, a spiritual attack against the creation of God. And it aims to take every one of us out. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, now he's speaking both of a day, but he's also spoke, speaks about the day, evil in the day in which we live right now. 
Therefore, when you that put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So there's this: you will be able. You, you will, you will have done everything. You put on the full armor of God. You, yes, you were in the Christmas story. Yes, you were in the resurrection story. Yes, you were in the Pentecost story when the Holy Spirit comes and came. on the day of Pentecost that first time. But very much now, in the daily working out of your lives, there's a, there's a battle. And the devil wants us to fail. He wants us to fall. He wants us to be overcome by discouragement and despair. And to keep yourself from falling, you need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In order to do that, you need, you need to recognize the nature or the character of our problem. Yes, we battle against temptation and against the lusts of the flesh and, uh, and all of the different things that we seek after, the money and wealth and whatever else. We can be filled with hatred, envy, strife, jealousy. All of these things are designed by the enemy to take us down. But you can stand. You can stand by knowing that the nature of your problem is really a demonic attack. It's the attack of the devil. It's a supernatural authority that seeks to take you out and take you down. We need to measure our enemy. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And so oftentimes Christians go into life every day and the, the forces that come against them are overcoming them and taking them down and falling into defeat and despair and fear and all of these things. Why? Because we have not equipped ourselves with the full armor of God so that the enemy can come against us with as many as he wishes, but greater is he who's in us and around us and through us than he who governs this world. The other thing to recognize is the battle isn't yours. It's his. It's his campaign. We come, become participants in it. The book of Revelation makes that very clear, as does other books. It's the war between God and the devil, good and evil. And of course, through Jesus, we know we have the victory. We know that the, the, that the, the end result is predetermined because Jesus has already defeated the devil. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 9 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Well, he can't devour everyone or anyone, but he can devour someone. Someone that is a person who hasn't put on the full armor of God, who hasn't done all that they can to stand. So resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is 
undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So whatever you're going through, you're not alone. And you're not just alone because God is with you. You're not just alone because many around the world, many believers, millions, are standing with you with struggles that are similar to yours and similar to mine. The whole message of this of this, the New Testament is, yes, God is good. Sometimes we say, well, all I need to do is stand aside and let the Lord fight my battles for me. Uh, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not how it works. What the Bible teaches is, you fight the battles, and he'll come along and fight them with you. But it's you who needs to stand. It's you who needs to resist the the devil. It's you and it's me who must put on the full armor of God. He he doesn't just say, uh, take it easy, I'll look after. He brings you into the conflict. Why? Because as you overcome, as you defeat the enemy, as you rise above all the pressures and temptations of life, you set an example to others that draw them into the same wonderful grace and mercy that you and I have received. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. It takes faith to fight the fight that God is talking about. It takes trust and dependence, because if you trusted in yourself, you would surely fail. But fight the good fight of faith, believing That he is with you. He is for you. He is in you. His power releases you. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Well, how did that good confession take place? Well, one of the ways was baptism. And baptism is a public confession of our faith. So you made a decision when you were baptized, when you made your confession. The Bible tells you if you the Bible tells us if we uh, tells us that if we believe in our hearts the Lord Jesus, we confess with our mouth that God has raised him from the dead, we're saved. So confession is very important. And it's a confession of our faith. And so take a hold of that which you've confessed. And hang on to it. Don't ever let it go. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, and I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I don't miss. I make every punch land. Every time I shoot the puck, I score. Every time I fire at the hoop, the ball goes in the basket. That's a little bit of an extrapolation, but anyway. 
uh, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. He's saying I make every punch. And where does where do those punches land? I strike a blow to my body. Oh, he's not hitting somebody else. He's striking a blow to his body in those areas that are weak, and he feels like he's going to fall and succumb to the pressures. He said, no, I, I come against that in the power and the strength of he who died for me, who rose for me, who ascended for me, and who's coming back for me. I do it in the name of Jesus, the all-conquering king. And through him I conquer. I do it to make my body a slave. In other words, my body doesn't tell me what I'm going to do. I tell my body what I'm going to do. And how many times have we said, you know what, I'm going to do this. It might be something as simple as, you know, tomorrow's my day off. I'm going to get up. I'm going to cut the grass. Yeah, the grass is actually green around here. Did you notice that? Uh, If it wasn't that way, I just said I'm going to shovel the snow. Uh, Maybe two weeks from now I can say that. But I'm going to cut the grass. I'm going to wash the car. I'm going to... I'm going to do all of these things, and I'll get them all done by dark, and then you wake up, and you don't do any of it. And somebody says, why didn't you do what you said you were going to do? And you just say, I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like it. And so we can say, I didn't feel like praying. I didn't feel like reading my Bible. Wait a minute now. It takes a little bit of discipline and self-control and determination to say, I'm not going to lose. I'm going to beat my body into subjection. Wow. Don't do that literally. It's a figure, it's a figure of speech. Before he died. And Bible scholars say that the last book that Paul ever wrote was the book of 2 Timothy. And Paul described to Timothy this young pastor that he was training of what life is really all about. And he said in Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 4, not First Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. Now, a drink offering was something that the Jewish people understood. And so he, he, he was saying that it was an offering of praise. Uh, It was celebratory. And Paul said, my life is that. I I just see my life as being poured out for others and for Jesus. But the time of my death is near. I've come to the end. He knew he was under sentence by the Roman authorities. And it wasn't too long after he wrote this that a soldier took a sword and chopped the Apostle Paul's head off. And he died a martyr's death. He said, I have fought a good fight. He never fought the Romans. He never fought those who who hurt him, even killed him. He fought that spiritual battle that the Bible talks about. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, rulers in high places, the devil himself. 
And he said, when he, when he said, I fought the good fight, that's what he was referring to. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I've been true to the trust that Jesus put in me. And now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I can read what it says, but I won't know until I get there what that's really like. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. What day? The day when I get to heaven, Paul, on the day that my life is spent. The day that my departure has happened. On that day. Or it might be the day that Jesus returns. It could apply to both. And for that day, those who have fought the fight, who've run the race, and who've kept the personal trust, the personal faith, that crown of righteousness, he said, is not just for me, but also to all who have loved his coming. Long for his coming. <laughs> We are coming to the end of 2020. Wow, it's been a really strange year. But the battle that the world is fighting is more than COVID. It's more than as sad and terrible as it is, um, refugees in Bosnia or some of these other countries, these children uh, in Haiti, that we give to. It's so much more than that. Those are things that God is concerned with, make no mistake. And he calls us in the battle that we have to embrace the victims of the conflict. Those who are lost without Christ as Savior. Those who are lost, suffering and dying for various reasons in the world. No, he sends us forth into the harvest field to win the lost, to help the suffering. Um, two mornings ago, uh, Marlene and I were having a devotions, and uh, we'd been reading the Psalms, and we came to Psalm 108, and Marlene was reading, and I was listening, and she came to the last two verses of the Psalm. And I asked her to read them again because I wanted to make sure I understood that I heard correctly because I knew what I was preaching today. And the last two verses of Psalm 180, 108, sorry, give us aid against the enemy. For human help is worthless. I mean, I, I, I can reach out and I can say things and be kind to people and offer them some money if they need it. Or, and I can give that kind of aid, but it's really worthless in the long run. As important as it is in the immediate, it's not in the long run. Human help is worthless. The needs that you and I have, yes, we can receive help from one another, but the full help that we need can only come from God. With God we will gain the victory. 
and he will trample down our enemies. Hmm. Right where you are right now, will you ask the Lord to help you? We're just waiting in his presence as we come to the close of this service. And we ask Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, just take the word of the Lord and impress it deeply in every one of our hearts and minds, our emotions, our entire beings. At the end of this year, we surrender afresh our lives to you to your calling and to your purpose. And we stand. We stand. Having done all, we stand. Having done everything, we stand. We choose to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, and we put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. We do that in Jesus' name. And let's stand, figuratively, as a picture of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us, spiritually. (laughs) I wasn't planning to use this scripture, but the online version of this service, uh, I I decided to do it in my office, and Dyra recorded it for me, uh, and she put the whole thing together, and I walked into the office, and here's this beautiful picture of an eagle, great big picture of an eagle hanging on my wall. It was given to me by the Cape Breton Christian Fellowship Church, Pastor Kevin, oh, I don't know, 25 years ago. It's a long time ago. It's been hanging there ever since. And uh, just a beautiful picture of an eagle. And I, and I looked at the picture as I walked into the room, and I thought, i got to take that picture down, hang it on the, the little knobs of my dro- doors, my, uh, where my books are, and just hang it down there, and I'll sit down beside the eagle for the service. And so I did. And because of that, I added this scripture. And amazingly, when I, when I started to look for some kind of a little uh, video that I could, I could put with it, I, I went on to a site that I use to get videos that you'll sometimes see us use. I said, oh, I'll try this one. And lo and behold, the scripture is on that one I tried. And it's this. They who wait upon the Lord... shall renew their strength. I about you this morning? Do you need a fresh anointing of Holy Spirit in your life? A fresh infusion of his presence, his glory, and his power? Well, I do. Do you? Lift your hands to the, towards the Lord and say, yes, Lord, Yes, Lord, I do. 
They shall mount, they shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. An eagle never builds its nest in the valley. The eagle always chooses the highest peak. And that's where God wants you to live. In his divine presence. Open to his glory above all the storms of life and the trials. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, thank you, Lord. Before Ira comes to uh, Ina comes to lead us in a closing song, maybe you know the song Isaiah 40, 41. If you do, um, we'll sing it without well, we'll sing it without any music. Join me if you can, if you know it. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh, you can't sing, can you? Oh boy. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. You can applause. It's fine. Thank you. (laughs) But not for me, for Jesus. Give him the applause and the praise. Lord, we thank you. And we worship you. We give you praise. And uh, Ina, come and, uh, and lead us.